Joe, what is the difference between a pickpocket and a peeping Tom? What? One of them snatches your watch. Nice. One of them snatches your watch. That is a thinker. You think that? Uh, how do you make a woman scream in bed? How? Call her by the wrong name. <laughs> Not that I know that from experience. Um, anyways, welcome to Cardinal for Personnel. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And... Uh, Bye. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I think this is one of those ones where if you turn it off now, you're not missing much. Um, because you, do you have the Trump whistle? We're going to get into that much later, but we haven't broken that out in months, but I think this week we might have to. You know, they did. It, it still works. Yep. <laughs> okay. And it still has your saliva on it. Damn it. <laughs> so, Joe, we, I would like to have a couple sideshows coming up with people. Uh, requesting to be on, uh, one of our friends, um, the father of Sam, uh, the the legendary uh, MIT Blackjack ringleader, our friend John, wants to come on and see how podcasts work. Okay. Um, my sister made a New Year's resolution. She wants to, like she did last year, she wants to do six things she's never done. And, and she did it like, she, she, last year she wanted to, I think, do two outings a week, like either have coffee with a friend or go to lunch or something like that with different people and different things. That was, that was her thing last year because a little bit like us, she wouldn't leave the house unless she kind of has to. I mean, she's very active in like her church and her work and stuff like that. And her neighborhood has a lot of fun events, but she wanted to, you know, Get outside be, of her be, liberal be, bubble. Be, be, no, I think she's fine. I mean, we, we, we visit our parents enough. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, so I said, it's like, why don't you come on and, you know, to the podcast? She goes, I don't know what I would talk about. I'm like, neither do we. You know, 100 plus episodes in. Um, you know how you can tell your podcast is doing wonderfully? If people are asking you how the podcast is doing. <laughs> That's a really good sign. You, you still doing a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> How's the podcast going? <laughs> I don't know. It's only on the internet for free. You can, tell me. Can you squeeze it into your budget? Uh, I, I I don't have time. I'm only stuck in traffic two hours each way every day. And if I don't listen to Maddie in the morning, you know. Um, so, Joe, we we started this in December, and uh, you fell off the bandwagon. You 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 were uh, delinquent in your responsibilities. What happened to fat shaming me? <laughs> I'm more of a fat nudger. I I I, um, I seriously. So I, I, I'm committed to getting to back to F and H. Um, I, I fucking huge. Fucking <laughs> already there. Mission accomplished. Check. <laughs> um, no, I want to play with with uh, with the F and H group in Phoenix this this Memorial Day. I also you know had let Tom, uh, John and uh, and Biff know that I'm planning on trying to get out to L.A. for two to three weeks this summer, and and work it out where like I get there on a Friday morning and leave three Saturdays later. So I'll be there for like let's say 22 days, but I could squeeze in four F and H's if I time but why? it. Why they already have a Zamboni? I want to roll. <laughs> get off me. And so so I do. I have to. So on one hand. I got to get the eating under control. On the other hand, I really started in earnest this week. Uh, started jujitsu on Monday, uh, did well, and uh, well enough where I couldn't walk on Tuesday. Uh, went to jujitsu on Wednesday, 
uh, and it, it's funny. It was almost like the experience when I hadn't done anything like jujitsu or MMA for a f- years. When I got to Qatar and I started, um, I can't do any of the warm up stuff. None of it. You know, I can't do crab walks. You know, I can't. My shoulder just doesn't let me walk backwards on my hands and feet. I can't do rolls and tumbles and jumps. Nothing. Unless there's some butter. And, <laughs> see what he's doing there. And so I. Uh, so it's one of those things where. I'm by far the heaviest set guy, you know. There's there's bigger guys than me, but I'm the only one 80 pounds overweight. Everybody's probably at least 15 years younger, and I can't do any of the warm up stuff. Um, and the instructor is actually kind of a dick about it. And I'm like, look, I can't lift my arms above your shoulder. I can't do this because it's in your head. It's like, no, it's a surgically repaired shoulder. I know what I'm doing here. Uh, but when it comes time to actually grapple, people are like, oh. Okay, so, so, and it is. It's one of those things. I'm not flexible. I can't do a lot of these, you know, like leg sweeps and stuff like that. Um, but, but so that's good. And then on Thursday, for the first time since I've got back from Qatar, two and a half years ago, I went skating with full gear on on Thursday. Wow, embarrassing. I I don't think I've ever seen you skate, and I'm not. Guessing you and I would be that far apart. I mean, dude, it was tragic. First of all, the tragedy of barely speaking about butter, having to put butter on my thighs to get the pants up and on. I mean, honestly, uh, I had trouble tying my skates. Uh, the trouble being, couldn't reach down over the gut and had to sit sideways. Like, I'm shaming myself, hoping that if I listen to this later or if anyone listens to this, uh, and in the 2019 political correct, uh, limpart snowflake world, I'm giving you full full license to go ahead and shame me, because uh, because I need it. So on that happy uh, personal note, um, did, good to see you back in the swing of things. Uh, yeah, like, but I couldn't. I couldn't walk on Tuesday morning after jujitsu on Monday, and this morning, no, I, I was everything I could do to get up out of the bed. Uh, on a, on a happy note, I don't know if you saw uh, any of the Golden Globes. I'm guessing that this is a Golden Globe household. It was not. It wasn't. I think. Was my, she out? <laughs> she was out, and I was watching, uh, well, something we'll, we'll get into later in the podcast, but I was not Match watching. game reruns from 78? Shut up. <laughs> um, did you see Christian Bale? Uh, no, I didn't see really anything of the Golden Globes. So two fun things. I forget, and the whole world forgets. Um, You've seen American Psycho. You've seen the the three Batman movies. You've probably seen American Hustle, all that stuff. Um, you forget he's Welsh with a very thick Welsh accent. That's right, mate. <laughs> it's, is Christian Bale here now? <laughs> I don't see so well. Um, don't voice shame me. No, no, I'm not. Daddy. <laughs> see, thank you. Uh, so Christian Bale... Like, everybody forgets worldwide that he has a very thick Welsh accent. And he thanked Satan for helping inspire him to play Dick Cheney. <laughs> it, it was, and I posted on Twitter, it was akin to, you thanked Hitler? <laughs> why would I? I, I didn't thank Hitler. I would never. <laughs> why, why would I thank Hitler? <laughs> um, Kids in all this country. But he, uh, he did, and it was great because, you know, Dick Cheney is one of the most evil, sadistic sons of a bitch. Why, just because he signed a waterboard torture device on Sasha Baron Cohen's latest show? He... 
Did he really? Yeah, he autographed a jug of water, like one of those like uh, gallon jugs, like uh, the ones that you cut out that you know pours water. Because that's hilarious. And he, and he signed it. Anyway, you were saying? I was saying, no. This is how evil and powerful that son of a bitch was. Is he shot his friend in the face, and his friend got out of the hospital and immediately had a press conference apologizing to Dick Cheney for being in the way of where Dick Cheney was pointing his gun. That's how powerful. But it's great because a lot of people lost their shizzle over it. <laughs> and, and, and not everybody. The Church of Satan actually, get uh, they, they enjoyed the PR hit that they got this week and jumped all over the bandwagon. Um, Who wouldn't, though? I mean, he really did lose himself in that role. I saw you know clips of him portraying Dick Cheney and, you know, uh, kudos, I guess. I mean, the movie I heard was kind of milk, kind of eh, middle of the road, like not great, but like him in it is phenomenal. I mean, I'll red box it, you know. Kind of like Bohemian Rhapsody, like movie, meh, but Rami Malek is Freddie Mercury was super, you know. Uh, in that one, I kind of wanted to see, but I guess it did phenomenal. Uh, well, it won Best Picture Golden Globe. And, um, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, so I, I, I will, I will definitely do that. And, and a couple weeks ago, I was talking about watching old movies that I just one night just hit record and like got like five or six old movies. I've been watching them. Uh, some of them are really good. And yesterday, like, oh, last time I was talking about this, I had said it before how I'm watching the movie and I'm Wikipediaing and trying to figure out what other things I've seen, like the background actors. And yet another movie, because it was something that we were watching last week, the principal from It's a Wonderful Life, we had also seen in. Well, he was in Hoy Polloi, one of the Three Stooges skits. Okay, that, right, right. And so, right, that's what I'm like, what else would I have just seen him in? He was in one of these old movies. And again, Probably 10th in billing, 12th in billing, you know, but I recognize him. So I'm reading all this stuff and I'm now in that age group where I think I would enjoy the movie loft, where I think I would enjoy coming in and out of commercial breaks. Fun facts about the movies, you know. In about another 10 years, you could co-host the Amazing Colossal Podcast with I'm, Gilbert Gottfried. I'm getting there. I really, I, I do. I, 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 I like that stuff. So as I'm watching it and I don't know, you know. I don't know who the ad wizards are who came up with this, but they were uninterrupted. It's not like I took out the commercials. So I'm watching all these movies. I'm like, TCM doesn't have commercials. There you have it. But I would like bumpers and people explaining, hey, you know this person from this. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) I'm Troy McClure. Uh, So I would like it. Um, And now now we're going to start. Dana Hersey. Dan Hershey was the guy who hosted the movie loft. Where is he now? If we only knew. <laughs> he's dead. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh. Dan maybe. Hershey, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Dead, dead, deadly dead, dead. So I can have that. So last week we found out we can add Bob Einstein to your voice impressions. Yep. Now this week you can add <laughs> Dana Hershey to your impersonations. See? It's a win-win. See, it really is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of win. Um, serious question. You know, when did saying white supremacist become a bad thing? Instantly. Oh, okay. So somebody 
and by somebody, I mean everybody, including people from the GOP, are starting to remind uh, Republican representative, uh, you know, and I feel bad because the guy's name is Stephen King. <laughs> so it's we'll call him all- Steve King for short. <laughs> okay, so there's uh, there's all this stuff going around that Steve King is advocating for being able to say, you know, white supremacist isn't a bad thing. Um, now, some of the Republicans have come out and said, that's wrong. Yeah, but we're not going to sanction him or you know give him a timeout or anything. But it it is scary that it's publicly being thrown out there that hey, you know it's not really fair that we can't say things like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? well, is that him trying to equate like the N word being used by black people like white supremacists? That's our word. That's our word. <laughs> you can't take that away from us. <laughs> Don't say the S word. Just don't say the S word. Okay. Now we're going to get into it. But we'll, we'll try. No, we'll, we'll start with the fun thing. It's it's it, it's all over Twitter this week, and I forgot that you had talked about it just before the election. The 1958 show um, Trackdown had an episode in which you, – you, you know more about this. I know the same amount as you, but I'll talk. All right. What of it? It's <laughs> – so it's making the rounds at this clip from an old TV show, Track Down 1958. I think it's like a Western show, black and white. And it's the episode in question is about this grifter that comes to town that tries to spook the townspeople into thinking they need to build a wall to keep them out from invisible threats. Uh, turns out the grifter's name is Trump. Could you make that up? I don't want to. But somebody in 1958 did. Some genius ad wizard. No, somebody, yeah. I mean, well, you know, probably back then Trump would be like. 11-year-old Trump is watching this <laughs> and thinking, hey. Yeah. Um, someday, Dad. Well, so, and then at the end of the clip, you know, the guy's trying to make it out of town. You know, he's like a snake oil salesman. Actually, he looks more like a Ku Klux Klansman because he has, like, this weird robe, and he's got, like, these mystical-looking symbols behind him on his wagon while he's giving a spiel to the townsfolk. And then all of a sudden, the law enforcement guy, you know, the sheriff or whatever on the show, tracks him down in some barn as he's trying to make his hasty getaway and calls him on his bullshit and says, you're not going anywhere. You're under arrest. And that's like the piece de resistance. That's like the, 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 the big finale, the big finish for this clip that's making the rounds, which had made the rounds, by the way, in 2016 during the election. But, eh, people forget. But it's just so crazy that he's also advocating Trump. This Trump character is advocating to build a wall. Like, it's so perfect with to what's going To keep out yes. this, this non-existing invader. Right. Now, I don't remember. You, you know more about this clip I've than me. i told you don't forget. You, how many times? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to remember to forget. Um, Try to remember. Did, uh, did Mexico pay for that wall? I, I don't remember seeing the whole, the whole episode. I don't believe... Uh, no. Now... Let's hypothetically say somebody was faced with a wall in front of them. Let's say it's a concrete wall. I'm throwing up a concrete wall in front of you, Joe. How would, how would you handle this? Uh, well, first I would look to see how tall the wall is. Uh, secondly, I would try to see if there was an end to the wall on either side. 
And then um, I guess lastly, I would just look to see how deep I could dig to get under the wall. So if there was a wall in front of you, you would try to go over it, try I, to go around it. If there was something really important on the other side that I had to get to, you know, do or die, yes. Is that good advice? Um, it depends on the context, but I could see how it could be given as good advice. Why? Why do you ask? Well, let's, let's, say, let's say the leader of the free world was to address a college graduating class the and current told them, leader the current the current leader and, and 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 told these these young minds that are just leaving college and entering the world that it doesn't matter what obstacles you face even if it's a concrete wall you don't stop you don't stop till you get over it around it through it under it and and i think it's in an inspirational message Yes. I mean, whether it be the leader of the free world or Oprah. And so, so I think, let's say, um, in a hypothetical situation, the same guy is advocating to build such a wall. Man, are we beating around the bush on this fucking topic. <laughs> are you saying that Trump, during an uh, during a commencement speech in 2004, gave a... Uh, a soliloquy saying that if you ever feast with a wall, you should climb over and get around it. Dig and, under it. Yeah. Go through it. Don't stop. Don't stop till you get enough. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, is that irony? Is that, is that that's hypocrisy? A, or that's, is that just fucked? That's, that's just Trump, man. That's like, like there's a tweet for everything. There's now apparently a speech for everything. How great is that? Not great. No, not no, great. No, it is not great. And, and the other thing that, you know, now, now that sadly, as we're doing the podcast, the last couple days, so the government's been shut down three weeks now, but, you know, you get paid every two weeks with most government jobs. This is the first pay cycle that people got. They, they got a paycheck that said zero on it. They got a direct deposit slip saying zero as of today. <laughs> I like that they actually printed out the slip. Right, exactly. <laughs> say, by the way, we know we were supposed to pay you, but here's the amount we can pay you. And so... Under the guise of security, because he can't have his wall, he's going to... The guise of security. Fuck calendar. with the TSA. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Oh. As in... Oh, like, oh, like, like disguise. G-U-I-S-E. Not, not this guy over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 putting, I'm putting together the guise of security calendar. <laughs> I don't care what you think. Have you seen a lot of hotties at TSA? T.S. motherfucking A. So you want you want everything to be more secure. So let's fuck with the Coast Guard. <laughs> let's fuck with the TSA. I, I'm not feeling a whole lot safer because the government shut down. Yes. With no end in sight. Um, and, and here, Well, that's mm, maybe end in sight. Only because if he declares a national emergency and goes that route and just says that the border security is a... Garners or, or warrants a state of natural emergency, then so be it. I'm going to get that money and steal it from wherever I have. Where, where, to. Where's where's he thinking about getting the money? I don't know, education or something. Uh, Puerto Rico, uh, the uh, relief funds in Puerto funds, Rico, yeah, infrastructure, um, California. Mm -hmm. you know, but we're going down. Yeah. Look, you're going to blow the whistle sooner or later. But I did want to blow through oh, some yeah, the of the, the the awfulness. So we got the shutdown, uh, the conference wall. Uh, and now I love the new spin, you know, and we've been saying this for two and a half years now. His supporters are, he never said that. You're taking him out of context. Other people have said worse and done, and done worse thing. Now he's saying, because for the last three weeks, everybody's playing the same clips of him. Who's going to pay for the wall? Mexico. Who? 
Mexico. But they're not whispering. That's me. And the, the, the crowd. Yes. We pump it. We're fixing the post. Okay. Um, we. <laughs> I do anything. He. Uh, he's now claiming. Well, I never said they were going to pay with like a check or money, but. Obviously, I meant I was going to redo NAFTA and that the money we saved through that from the deals with Mexico. From great trade agreements. Which can't be, which have to be ratified through the Congress. Not really sure a lot of his things are going to get passed through the Congress over the next two years. And I think they actually looked back into his speeches, and I think he actually did say somewhere that he would be expecting some sort of a check from Mexico. (laughs) So it's even that... Negation of a statement has a negation. It, it's it, it's like it's this Trump inception, man. It's just like lies within bullshit. Well, and we talked about that. There's already with the House and the Senate both run by Republicans for two years. There was our and the DOA. You know, the DOJ is run by Republicans. Uh, Seventeen open investigations on them. What's it going to be now? But. So when he decided, and I, I wasn't upset with him. God bless him for trying. Look, if we at the nation keep letting him grift, why would he stop? Like, if there are zero checks and balances. <coughs> There's zero checks going to the people in the government right. right now. But if he's getting away with all of this, you know. Now, he just hired, by the way, 17 new lawyers, which we're paying for. So they're not furloughed. But anyways, that's uh-huh. a different story. So he gives this speech from the Oval Office, and it's his first Oval Office speech. And the networks were debating covering it because in 2014, when the DACA thing was going through and Obama wanted to address a nation, the network said no. It would be too partisan. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So obviously he was just going to get up there and babble his, his partisan bullshit, which is what he did. I'm so disappointed that the networks didn't say – well, we didn't cover Obama almost on the same subject. We're not doing it here. What What is really upsetting and hilarious at the same time, five minutes before the Oval Office speech, the reelect Trump committee, uh, his official committee, his official reelection campaign sent out an email blast saying, I'm living up to this campaign promise. We're going to keep fighting. Send me more money. <clears throat> yeah, five minutes after the address, making sure that he had you know enough red meat thrown out to the base. Don't forget to send money in to keep this fight going. It was nothing but the media giving him an ad, yeah, ad time. And and on one hand, I'm furious. On the other hand, fuck these people if they want to. You know, I mean, if you want to give your money to the televangelist, go right ahead. I mean, uh, kinda. May I, I guess. Are, are, are you sending him money? No. Were you inspired to keep this fight going? I don't send anybody any money. <laughs> so, let alone the shittiest president of the United States ever. Uh, um, but, how, but let's, before we get off that yeah, yeah. topic, um, the response, the Democratic response, <coughs> the Chuck Schumer, the optics of the Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi sharing the podium, looking like the bad parents in a twisted sister video, you know, like the the straight-laced... Um, you know, older, curmudgeon uh people. I, I like, I appreciate the humor. <coughs> I like that both sides are getting it, man, you know. But at the same time, I don't like that both sides are getting it, man, because aren't they supposed to be, like, the champions of 
truth and justice and the American way in spite of this clown that's running the yes. country? And uh, several times this week, they've, they're ready to pass bills. Mitch McConnell is in hiding. Like, l- when's the last time Mitch McConnell has given a public statement or, or has even been seen? He won't take a vote because he knows right now they could open the government Monday morning. They should open the government now. They have obviously they have the votes and the House to pass a bill over to the Senate. And even though there's the there's fifty two Republicans, there's enough Republicans. You need sixty to make. I think it's sixty. You have to have to have it veto proof. So you need twelve Republicans to flip. Yeah. So they have fifty two. So you need twelve Republicans. As of today's count, there's eight Republicans on record who say they would vote for a bill to pass. Now, that's eight publicly saying it now. If you have to stand up in the Senate and cast your vote three and a half weeks at this point or three plus weeks at this point, and you're saying, no, I'm not going to pass. And it's not agreeing or not saying you're not going to do the wall or any of that stuff. You're just saying on a 30, 60, 90 you know, basis, uh, you know, we're going to reopen the government now and keep this and keep this moving. You need 60 votes to make it veto proof. And Mitch McConnell doesn't want to have to have people stand up and say, no, I'm not going to reopen the government and then face their constituents because there are 22 Republican Senate seats up in less than two years. And people who are missing their mortgage payments now, people who are, you know, really having a hard time. But if you're in the Coast Guard, at least the Coast Guard is going the extra mile to helping their families out. You I see, heard. You heard about this? Yeah. They sent out a nice little letter to all their uh, employees saying that, you know, in these troubling times, there are things you can do to get by, like sell your shit <laughs> at a garage sale or have a bake sale. Have your 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 wife or husband bake up some of those delicious brownies and, you know, set, set up a table on the curb. Dog walking. You could talk. Yes. Babysitting. Right. You know, uh, as a last resort, you could go bankrupt, you know, which is nice of them to lay out these options. Still come to work. Still protect our borders. But on the weekend... You know, sell sell all this. You know, how much is that? What is that? A four and a half foot Homer Simpson over there? I'll sell that when you pry it from my <laughs> cold dead hands. Uh, but honestly, when you, you know, it's it, this, this, and they'd sense redacted or retracted. They they'd sense like, oh, we're gonna sense, get to the redacted. Oh, okay, all right, and yeah, go on. Um, no, but remember a couple. Was it a year or so ago when? McDonald's, I think it was McDonald's had a new handbook. Yeah, they they told uh, they they told their employees how to you know on their ten cent an hour income how to budget their money wisely so that they're not you know blowing it all on hookers and gambling and you know the things that people who work at McDonald's usually usually right. I mean, wasting their money on baby diapers and formula, and <laughs> right, food and, and electricity, clothes. right. Uh, and one of, and one of the things was uh, get a part time job. <laughs> it's like McDonald's is telling you to make ends meet, work your forty hours here, but then go get a job somewhere else for forty hours a week. Uh, hey. If you don't do anything except go from one job to another, you don't need your house anyways. Win-win. Yeah. And by the way, tips are discouraged. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that's the world we live in right now. Um, and, and my favorite thing of the week is he had the sit-down meeting, which was obviously they knew 
just like the publicity stunt with the with the Oval Office thing, he wanted to have a meeting in which he was going to be told, no, match yesterday we said no to the five and a half billion dollars for this. But you know what? We thought about it overnight. And wow, what a speech. You really <laughs> compelled us to change our minds. We've seen the error of our ways, Mr. President. And when he was told no, he instantly got up, slammed the table, uh, you know. But when he, but you're also missing or glossing over the little bit that he did before he walked out of the meeting. And what was that? Well, when he walked into the meeting, I believe he tried a little bribery to a Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. A little something for the effort? A little something, something. I'm talking, you know, some of that sweet, sweet candy. Like literally candy. And by sweet, sweet candy, you mean <laughs> literally candy. Okay. And a lot of people it, it's funny because one of the one of the Republican, you know, senators in the room, he came out and he goes, Wow, did he? <laughs> he left the meeting room <laughs> and faced the press corps and said, You know, when he gave him candy, it's like he showed up in his windowless van, (laughs) rolled it down, said he was looking for a lost puppy, and do you want to help him find it? And I got candy, and they said no. She did not accept his unwrapped candy. (laughs) What a bitch. Um, So the funny thing is, people were kind of mocking that. You know, you know some consultant had a briefing with him and said, you know, George W. invaded a couple countries, bankrupt us, left us in a wake of his mismanagement. Uh, Pick Dick Cheney as his secretary, uh, as his, his vice president. But, you know, he gave Michelle Obama candy at a funeral recently. Went over really great. The people kind of liked it. Nice little bonding moment. Maybe that will get the wheels moving. Far be it from this administration to steal the ideas of a previous administration. <laughs> but, I mean, we talked about that. It was like, you know what? I mean, it was a nice little gesture the first time when it happened, when he gave her can. Uh, who, what was the first funeral? McCain. The, McCain, right. Thank you. And then at his, his, his own dad's thing. And it was a funny little sweet moment. And for a split second, you forget he's going to straight to hell. Um, and fuck him. But it was. But you, you I, I couldn't help but thinking, was he... Was he really thinking he was going to have this W. Michelle Obama moment with Nancy Pelosi by giving her a few Skittles? Maybe if he didn't chuck it at her head. Maybe <laughs> some finesse. So you had said the word, and I didn't have it, redacted. You, uh, yeah, I, I tried. Did, did you follow? Did you follow the? Did you hear about the the redacted document that was quite not quite maybe not so much as redacted? It was some formatting error. You're talking about the Paul Manafort awesomeness. Awesomeness. Well, so you go into the details because you watch Rachel Maddow religiously. Uh, yeah, and I guess in management actually explained. I heard that for some reason it was redacted. A PDF went out. But if you copied and pasted it for some, you know, the the redlining and the redaction didn't come over. Right, the, like the actual text was still survived under the black boxes that were supposedly redacted. So it wasn't like they took a sharpie, redacted by hand, scanned, scanned it, it yeah. and then sent it out. Yeah, uh, yeah he's fucked. I, I mean, I mean, they couldn't have fucked him harder by doing this because now everybody knows the things that he's pled to that weren't open, you know, for the public. And I, I don't see there's a way that he doesn't face the maximum time. Any of the? Can you remember any of the bombshells that were found out in the redactions? Well, so 
the long story short, he he was up to debt uh, with an, an one of the oligarchs, and we know it was very famous. Like he had said, like to to the intermediary between the two, hey, if I kind of feed him some information, does that make us whole? Does that pay off my debt? And it actually, he got on a plane, flew over there with the most sensitive polling data that would have only been available to the upper inner circle of the Trump campaign, which obviously was weaponized. That That's the actual polling information, you know, down to the minutia, the minutia, and, you know, one of Manafort's fortes and the reason he was such a highly sought after political you know, hit person is he was great at analyzing this kind of specific data. So he was giving all this polling data one-on-one, you know, to the oligarch that he was upside down with, who happens to be just kind of coincidentally uh, in the pocket, best friends with Putin. Mm. Putin? Mm. <laughs> so so that that was fun. And uh, I think... By the way, when you say oligarch, you got to be more specific nowadays. We're not talking about the American oligarchs that run this country. We want the no, no, Russian right, oligarchs. The Russian oligarchs. Russian. I'm not talking the Koch brothers, yep. Shell- Shelley Adelson, Bezos. you know. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. You know, uh, until recently. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, well, you know, I think he and his wife are splitting up because it turns out that a marriage is considered a union. Uh-huh. And he doesn't want anything to do with and then, uh, And then the, what the— I like the other joke where, you know, he is— like the, He was, I think, up to this point considered the wealthiest American. And then now, if— the divorce goes through and he has to give away half, he'll be tied for fourth wealthiest. Tied because he has to share some of his money with his ex-wife. Tied. With her. Tied. The Dickens! (laughs) Mother. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you didn't have to get out the Trump whistle. I think think that curse of douchebaggery. Let's not forget, he advocates not letting a concrete wall Stop you from getting over it, around it, through it, under it. Um, Which, by the way, apparently you can cut through said wall. Right. Eh, it's a prototype. Hey, you know, you got to break a few walls before you make an omelet. What? So, you know, one of the fun stats that I saw this week is uh, the the five point one billion dollars that he wants for for the wall. Oh, it went down. I thought it was five point seven. Is it five point seven? Yeah. Whatever the latest number is, somebody right. did it. That would give a seventeen hundred dollar raise to. Every teacher in this country, every single teacher, whether they're teaching in a, you know, Nowheresville, Montana, New York City, Arlington, Massachusetts, wherever, that would give every single teacher $1,700 bump. No? Meh. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, you teach a teacher to fish, you could feed her for life. Or him. Teach a teacher how to have a garage sale, and um, oh boy! But the, so so the, so that was it. I've been thinking lately. I there there is, and I, I apologize for blanking on this. I should have done the research. There is a term in Scientology, and I'm not I'm not making this up. I think I've told the story when I worked on the show Touched by an Angel. They were going to mention Scientology in a cult episode. It wasn't going to be about Scientology, and we got a thick a thick envelope. Um, from the network legal department and the post on the outside, and I'm not kidding, just said no fucking way. It was all these stories about how the Scientology go after people who mention them in a negative way in the media. There is a term where 
when you're talking to them, if you have a legit question about Scientology, hey, you don't really believe in a God figure or this, but you get a, you know, they're not supposed to answer your question. They're supposed to come back with a completely different topic, putting you on the defensive. Mm-hmm. I wish the Republicans or the Democrats would take a page out of the Scientology playbook or the TB12 playbook, depending <laughs> on, because it's the same voiceover guy, and do it. So I want to do a little experiment. So you are a Fox News person interviewing me, asking me questions about the party. So so go ahead. About the religion. Oh, no, no, oh, about, no about, the about, about the Democratic point oh, okay. of view or platforms right. or whatever. Um, uh, Mr. Congressman, um, is it true that the Democrats think that climate change is a national emergency and should be dealt with post-haste? Yes, and at the same time, I think the fact that these children are dying in the hands of the United States government in these would-be concentration camps that the administration has crudely constructed is one of the most inhumane moments in American history. Well, that uh, that's interesting. <laughs> Am I supposed to... I'm not good at improv. Am I supposed to pay attention to what you were saying and then respond well, in like? But that's, but that's one of the things. When, when you ask somebody a question, and I wish when... And you actually answered my question. You said yes. Well, yeah. I said yes, but I instantly... Redirected. Maybe I should... But that's the thing. When, you, when, when you're getting these talking points or when the media is asking you questions, instead of even answering them, it's like, well, don't you think that both sides are responsible for the shutdown? Instead of saying, well, no, blah, 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 because it all becomes white noise, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, yelling to your own constituents versus uh-huh. just just turn around. It's like, you know, if we want a wall, I will back the president when he gets the money he said he was going to get from Mexico. You know, or, or but but or just completely put them on the defensive. Stop trying to, and I hate to say this, but one of the problems that Obama had, well, one of the criticisms that Obama had, too intellectual. Mm-hmm. People people liked George Bush's. We're going to round him up. We're going to smoke him out. We're going to get him. They didn't want a Harvard. Um, uh, what, what, what's the um, Ivy League? What's the newspaper? The, the the Harvard Journal, the Law Journal that Obama was the editor from. Oh, okay. They don't want a guy who graduated with a law degree from the most prestigious law university. Are you saying that there is a swath of anti intellectualism in this country? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I get I get what you're saying. That you want the Democrats to be more plain talk. And at the same time, stop stop being on the defensive. Stop, stop justifying. Fe- stop feeding the trolls. Yes. Stop justifying, you know, you know, any of this and just attack, attack. And and I hate to say it, it's worked very well for him. And every time he's attacked and you give facts and figures and and you know, but they should do nothing except keep saying, look. Here's the here's the tape. Here, here's him saying he's going to own this shutdown. Here's him saying going around the wall. Here's him saying Mexico is going to pay for it. Or just keep bringing it up. Like, but keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Redirect and put them on the defensive. I believe it was us who said uh, maybe six months ago or so on this podcast that we came to the conclusion that facts don't fucking matter to these assholes. It is one hundred percent true. What do you do? 
I think don't you just have to kind of like the like the concrete wall that Trump said to find a way around. Don't maybe look at the people who are trying to impede progress in this nation as a wall, a real wall that you have to somehow get around. Just work around these well, cocksuckers. I mean, I don't want to say cocksuckers because you know what? For some people, they like sucking cock. It's it shouldn't be a derogatory term. I really shouldn't. No, pussy should, lickers. It, it, oh, wait, that's, it, that's, that's actually... It, it, I, I don't know what I want to say. Came back with cocksucking. Yes. As my brother always says, dude, just pussy on a stick. <laughs> just pussy on a stick. <laughs> Let that one sink in. I will. And so, no, but my whole thing is the same thing. Instead of justifying saying, you know, they've done the, they, they've done the sit-ins trying to get gun control, and Paul Ryan shut the lights off. Do the same thing. Like, Nancy Pelosi should not adjourn Congress for the weekend. Stay here. Until we come up with a bill. She does. She has a gavel. She can keep, she can literally keep the lights on inside and just make a big, and whether it's a big spectacle, uh, like calling a national emergency or sending the National Guard down to, or sending the military down for this caravan before the election. If that's what it takes, just keep staying there and say, hey, you know, whatever you want to say, say, we're, look, we're for border security. We're going to stay here and figure this out, but how do we have border security if we don't have a TSA and Coast Guard? Let's stay here and figure this out. Even, even lie. Go ahead and lie and say, you know what? We're willing to put the $5 billion in if, if Mexico puts in the first five. We will dollar for dollar. <laughs> if the president who promised Mexico was going to pay for it gets a check from them that he promised he would on whatever show on this date, we will match dollar for dollar. But until then, we're going to take this money and put it in the TSA, put it in the Coast Guard. We need people back to work. We are not going home until this. You That's know, crazy, Nancy's price-matching guarantee. <laughs> but you we, get a country to fund the wall, we'll match it. Wait, seriously. You know it's not going to happen, so go ahead and fucking say it. Right. Right. That's All right. what I think. Now let's move on to what has become a fan favorite. Of the, me. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I was going to say the ending of the podcast. No. Because I don't like the podcast. <laughs> Is it me or the podcast? Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> so what if I put a shirt back on? <laughs> okay. Now you sold me. Um, so so we've been doing it since almost day one, probably day two, the self-indulgent theater where Joe really gets to stretch his thespian skills with with one, I said that's <laughs> being just pussy on a stick, and he uh, and where he does one of my favorite impressions that he had, be it a Gilbert, be it a Bernie Sanders, neither who we've seen in a while. But last Thursday we did a special Super Dave Osborne, aka Super Dave, <laughs> uh, podcast, and I did not realize going into it what a great uh, Bob Einstein impression that Joe does. He led off last Thursday's sideshow by doing an old um, Bob Einstein joke. You don't have to tell these folks. They've already heard it. But when I first heard it for, for a good 30 seconds, I thought that he had grabbed it off a clip off the net, either when he was on Letterman or he was doing the, the panel discussion with... Um, why am I blanking on the name of the show? I your enthusiasm. Because I can't even say because I hate them. But, I, I, and I'm like, oh, no, wait a minute. That's actually Joe. So I decided uh, this week we will do, Joe will do his Bob Einstein uh, theater. And what we, one of the things we've been doing, and it started, I think, with It's a Wonderful Life last year, 
Um, I've been having Joe read the lyrics of uh, songs generally from Dan Cray, or in this case, Beyond It. Not Dan Cray and Beyond It. At this point, the song Bookends was a, a Beyond It song. Like, Dan's solo career hasn't flourished and he left us behind in a cloud of dust. And in fact, I don't remember if Rod was in the band or just John Hunt, but I know John sings on this song. I sing a verse, Dan sings a verse, John sings a verse. And after the success of this song, Dan did all the singing. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, I'd like to turn it over to Joe for this week's version of Self-Indulgent Theater featuring Bob Einstein doing Beyond It's Bookends. Pleased to meet you and all your little friends. Thank God the mindless mass has got this season's trends. I'm tired of apologizing and trying to make amends. I've colored all the pages so I know how this book ends. Seems to take forever, then you're forever old. Never really listen. Just keep saying, yeah, I know. Doesn't take that much to get matchbook art sold. Just a plastic sales pitch from a man with a tarlic soul. I tried to walk away like all my heroes do. Oblivious to the real world, like I'm some fucked cartoon. I love my face and magazines. You think I got a clue? Making money of morons who can't tell I'm a fool. It's like he doesn't have himself. a Diet Coke. <laughs> Sorry, I stepped over the line. Sorry, I stepped. But it is like Bob Einstein dug himself out of the grave, came back, um... Seriously, I, I, I'm not crying, you're crying. There's not a dry eye in the house. There just is. You know, I like to continue. I need to take a break. And now, the defunct sponsor of the week. You're watching Boston Bruins hockey from Boston Garden. And the movie love Dustin Huffman and Catherine Ross star in The Graduate. Don't miss The Graduate with only three commercial interruptions, Friday night at 8 on TV 38. That was fantastic. So, uh, about a month ago, Joe, I, I threw a curveball to you and asked you, who is the greatest hockey player who's graced the new Boston Garden, the uh, 25-year-old new Boston Garden ice? And the correct answer was... Roof. <laughs> You think it's just a DiMaggio? The correct answer was my niece, Julia, who won a three-on-three -three tournament there, was the MVP, thus winning her team a trip to the NHL All-Star Game later this month. And she, being, being, you know, being the MVP, is representing the team on the ice with the Bruins. Well, actually, it's only one Bruin, Passanak, who's making it. So she's going out there. The funny thing is... Um, you know, and I, I, I always chalked it up as a failure on her, uh, her, her father. Where was their mom too? Mm -hmm. uh, that she loves Ovechkin. That she loves Alexander, Russian, Bega. Putin loves Alexander Ovechkin. Loves him from the uh, the, the the Washington Capitals. The Washington Capitals. <gasps> Did you hear me say that? Have I ever said that word? Now, I've not been a fan of his for a lot of reasons, which I won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, beautiful goal scorer, 
Likes to play one side of the ice, not so much the other. Hey, if I score three goals this game, why do I have to play defense? You're not paying me to come skate back into the zone (laughs) kind of guy. But my niece has loved him forever. And I remember coming back from guitar and seeing her in Ovechkin jersey. And I'm like, what are you doing? You live in Boston. You live in the shadow of the garden. You know, where's your Marshawn jersey? Where's your Orr jersey? You know, what the fuck is this? Loves a guy, loves a guy, loves a guy. So my disdain for him became greater in the past week because my niece went to bed crying this week. He obviously is leading the league in scoring and is going to the All-Star game, except he's paying a fine to not go. He wants to sit out All-Star weekend. He wants to take three days off, um, which he has to literally pay a fine to the league to do. My niece is crushed, absolutely crushed. And my my brother was telling her, it's like, look, the Bruins are bringing you out there. You're going to have a Bruin jersey on the ice. Pretend to like them. <laughs> uh, she was crushed that he is not going. Well, last night as we record this, the Washington Capitals came to the garden and, and played the Bruins. Um, I posted this on Twitter. I liked it when my when, when my sister in law sent me the video. Uh, did flip phones from '93 have videos? Because that's what this looks like. It looks like she ran it through a Commodore 64 and then texted it to me. Uh, it looks like crap. I posted it anyways. But my niece, wearing her Ovechkin jersey, uh, went to the went to the Bruins last night. Had a sign saying, "You know, Ovechkin, can I have your stick?" Set kind of. And the runway near near the bench, and every whistle, every shit was screaming out and holding the sign up. He's a popular guy, and it there's a lot of other people wearing Ovechkin jerseys. As he's leaving the game, after uh, he's walking down the tunnel, and he goes to hand the stick, and a bunch of people are trying to grab the stick, he pulls it back, walks over, and hands it to my niece. Class act. That asshole has now robbed me of the ability to talk shit about him to not like him uh, and for the first time in my life I'm actually saying the Washington cat capitals wow yeah I mean that you haven't been like this since JJ Watt helped the Houston survivors in the hurricane well another dick who's taken away my disdain and hatred for him uh, to the point where I wished him success this year no uh, honestly when I saw that and I did. It's like I couldn't help harken back. When I was 10, I got to go in the Bruins locker room. I still have the little autograph book that I got that day. And I got Brad Parks, Gene Vertels, and all their, their autographs. Uh, she will have this for, forever. And my sister-in-law was like, we probably can't get it signed. But hopefully, you know, he or the team can send us like some kind of certificate of authenticity. I'm like, he, she doesn't need that. She will never need that right she has by the way doesn't she have a video of authenticity she does have a video author but still when my niece is old and broken down let's say my age she will remember it like it was yesterday this will be one of the 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 the, you know she'll have kids hopefully and have a great life and all this but this is an amazing memory she will never forget a moment of this unless she gets alzheimer's you are such literally, you know, <laughs> jo, like Joe is a, Joe Joe isn't a the glass is half empty. He's like, no, that glass is half full, 
but with horse piss. <laughs> you know, you know, rain clouds look at Joe and say, "Oh fuck it, man, he's had enough." I'm gonna, you know, we can't compete with that. Uh, but he has charge. But no, I mean, that, so I'm starting off sport this week by talking about the great. Alexander Ovechkin and uh, and and it's funny because uh, like I said, as he was trying to hand the stick up, people were grabbing for it. And he pulled it away, and I said, and my my management had said to me today, it's like, well, how what would you how would you feel? Because like you likes to play devil's advocate or bitch, and said, you know, he was handing the stick, and Julia went to grab the stick, and he pulled away from her. I'm like, oh, I'd find him. (laughs) (laughs) Finish him. It's on. (laughs) Um, So as we say that, uh, earlier in the week, I wanted to point out that um, I'm not a big basketball guy. You're not a big basketball guy. Do you even know who Dirk Nowinski is? No. He's been on the Dallas Mavericks forever. Slow down. The Dallas what? Mavericks, they are a basketball team. Oh, okay. You know, tell a guy won the NBA championship like eight years ago. This guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't know how long your career, 15, 16, 17, a long, long, long time. He's a great player, class act. He uh, He's finishing up the season. It's the last time he's going to be at Boston Garden. And when he got introduced, he got a big round of applause. You know, lots of retiring players. That's, you know, it's kind of, I think it's a little, some people overdo it. Like when, uh, when Big Poppy did it and somebody else did it in every ballpark, like gave him a clock or a chair. It's like, dude, he beat the fuck out of you for 10 years. Why are you, you know? Right. And I used to like when you boo people, but they got a big, he got a big round of applause when he was introduced at the beginning of the game. I think now because of social media, it's illegal to boo people. They, they, the Celtics clean the clock. I mean, Dallas isn't a great team this year. Celtics were up by 15, 16 points. There's only like four or five seconds left. Dallas goes to inbound the pass, and the Celtics moved out of the way to let Dirk get the last shot of the game. You know, he took a three-point shot and clunked it. But he still, like, people like that the Celtics moved out of the way. It's a nice moment. Until the next day, you wake up and you see all the talking heads on ESPN and all the... Uh, the trolls on Twitter. Oh well, of course the Celtics fans root, you know cheered for him. He's a white guy. And I'm like, you know what? Enough. <laughs> like enough. Yes, Yaki was a dick, and was the Red Sox were the last team to integrate. True, which is why they changed the name of Yaki Way this year. Back to Jersey Street. You know. Uh, on the other hand, people forget. First team with a black player in the NBA, Celtics. First black coach, Celtics. First black GM, Celtics. First black starting five, Celtics. First black guy in the NHL, the Bruins. Yes, Boston has a racist identity and a racist problem. So does every – I mean, you can find every one of these stories in every city and every team. I'm a little tired of it being that it's just a Boston thing. It's awful that there's racism anywhere, but – you know, being more being more of a Patriot fan, how many of these old Patriot players, like the Troy Browns, the Ty Laws and stuff, have jobs in the local media on TV and radio? Why did they choose to either come back, like finish their career somewhere else and come back, or stay here after they're done? It's yes, Boston has racist asshole dickheads and and a, and a checkered history with it, as does. Every state. So you telling me that you're sick and tired of these talking heads on sports radio playing up stereotypes? A, a little bit. <laughs> you hate how these these hacky 
no talent yappers are just getting on the airwaves and just spewing out the hackiest bullshit lines about Shut racial. Up. Shut up. <laughs> like you just, I will nothing over, original comes I out of their mouths. Come across this table and kick your Portuguese ass all the way. Your A sores are gonna be sore by the time <laughs> I'm done with you. My A sores are gonna become A plus sores. I don't know. <laughs> I will put eight mint all over those eight. What? What? Is that, is that a pass at you? <laughs> or a threat? That's a word. I will rub lotion all over you! You will be loved like you've never been loved before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not good at any of this. But seriously, so it's just like, yeah, Boston is racist. Get it? It's not, you know, it's like... Um, so all the black players on the Celtics were... were Bowing down to the white guy by yeah. getting out of his way yes. and letting the masses shoot the ball. Of course. <laughs> okay, just just try to get a grip of where we're coming from. We listen, don't chastise the don't be one of these people. Will you stop? Don't be don't don't, don't be a care less person. Be a care more person. But don't be one of these people who says that they're tired of something being, you know, misinterpreted or or some sort of stereotype being perpetuated because a you are the king of that and b it's a joke it's a joke it is lighten, a joke. lighten up lighten up francis you know what else is a joke the mavericks record so <laughs> you know let them have this so uh, as we're recording this there's no way of knowing if um, if the world is going to end on sunday because the patriots play the san diego you did it. You did it. L.A. Oh, I'm blowing the San Diego whistle. <laughs> Superchargers. Um, I'll be honest. Completely worried. I mean, San Diego has been the best team in fo- The two best teams in football the last eight weeks. You said San Diego again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. Well, they don't even play in L.A. They play in Carson outside of L.A. in a soccer uh-huh. stadium. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> That's good football. <laughs> I don't know. So, so he, uh, so the Colts, who I, <laughs> okay, I sidebar myself. The Colts won a playoff game. The Baltimore Colts? <laughs> the Baltimore Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, the two Utes. <laughs> the Colts won a playoff game last week. How, you know what? Good for them. You know, I would not begrudge them to maybe celebrate <laughs> that momentous occasion by, what sort of like making some sort of like a tweet and saying, "Hey, congratulations on being one and zero in the playoffs, dude!" It's what how, happened. How can you not cheer against them? Like, <laughs> like, like, well, it, explain what happened. Th- they they had a huge marketing campaign where they started selling sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, and flying a banner over Lucas Oil Stadium. One and oh! <laughs> you know? And uh, is it just them leaning into it and being cheeky? I know. It's... Did, if you... So, <laughs> their owner is... is He's had his, uh, his problems with substance abuses. Uh-huh. Like, I think it was four years ago, got popped by the cops with a cartoon suitcase full of money. I think he had like $100,000. Did it have dollar bill signs written on it? <laughs> you know, monocle. <laughs> and he had a briefcase with $100,000 and like $30,000 of pills, like, you know, opioids in his car. Um, he goes in the locker room after the game this week to 
congratulate the team. And I know we can do better. I don't want to run on the parade, but I think we could have scored some more points. Like, do you have money on the game? <laughs> right. I want you to cover the spread a little bit better next week. <laughs> Instead of, hey, we, we went from not being in the playoffs to having well, this great run. And, like, honestly, they... I want to say they start the season 0 and 4 or like 1 and 4, 1 and 5 and won 9 of the last 8 of their last 9 games something like that. As did the Chargers. Was this the same this is the same family who's, you know, who like he like his father was the same guy who drove in the middle of the night the Baltimore Colts out of Baltimore, correct? It, there was no announcement <laughs> in the wee hours of the morning. The Mayflower vans. Which Mayflower literally moved out of the area. I don't even think to the day they're there. Within a hundred plus mile radius in any direction, Mayflower never was able to rent moving vans again because they were the team that moved. Anyways, yeah. so Jim Ursay is, is a crazy pill-popping maniac who goes in the locker room. That said, if, if, and I'm saying if the Patriots have won the game, because by the time this drops, the game would have been over, and I will either have been obnoxiously celebrating and tweeting about it, or um, in the darkest, dankest corner of your home. I think the kids are going to stay at Grammys this weekend. <laughs> uh, but but if the Colts beat Kansas City, and Kansas City's had a great year, but again, they've lost like six playoff games. They haven't won a playoff game at home in like 20 years. There's been several times where they've had the best record in football and lose at home. If they lose at home, it means the AF and the Patriots win. It means the AFC title game is played here next week. That would be great. But... I can't have the call. I can't not want. I can't imagine a two and and0 banner flying over Lucas Stadium. Would I rather the Patriots go on the road and lose to Kansas City versus a two and and0 Colts playoff banner? I'm I'm on the fence. Right. I'm on the fence. Sophie's choice. And this is this is how bad um, all the talk. Not only are the talking heads on the national level picking. The Chargers to win. I'm just saying Chargers. I'm going to simplify it. Good move. Picking the Chargers to win. It, it, all of them have these these rating boards with like one through eight because there's eight teams left. All of them have the Chargers, the, the number one power ranking of playoff teams left, and the Patriots number eight. And if the Patriots win, I hope there's a lot of, well, this was the greatest upset in the history of football because they were the eighth seed, according to everybody. Hmm. And all these polls coming out, it's like, uh, like Stephen A. Smith has his like top five. Who do you trust most in the playoffs? It's like you have a guy in there who's never had a playoff game. Like, <laughs> oh, like, like Mahomes, who was great, hasn't had a play, hasn't thrown one pass in the playoffs. Uh, Tom Brady's been in thirty-seven playoff games, winning twenty-seven of them, five rings. Um, and and you have him number five on your list. It's it, so, and it might be right, but this is how worried I am um, that the factors of the game isn't is Brady better than than Philip Rivers? Are their receiver core better than ours? Can our running game match their defense? I'm hanging my hat on. Well, I hope it's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> right. Man. And it will be. That's the second cross-country trip with a three-hour time difference that they're going to have to play in eight days. Does that does that hurt the psyche of the team? And If that's what you're hanging your hat on, <laughs> you know you're not going into it with a lot of confidence. Uh, yeah, you're checking the barometer. Like that. <laughs> 
Dude, I, I, I'm I already losing sleep. I, I really am. So that said... I mean, really, were you going to sleep at all anyways? I mean, nope. it's Resident Evil or a bust for you. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what it's going to be. Um, and uh, I think that wraps up for sports because... What else fucking matters? It's still the middle of the season with the Celtics and Bruins and all that stuff. So either the football season is over come Sunday afternoon or buckle up, balls, George Tommy. It's three more weeks of me being a prick <laughs> about the Patriots. Right, exactly. It's a lifetime about being a prick. Got to qualify that. So now it brings us to either the video, random video game review of the week or, which we'll get to, or do you first want to talk about what you're playing this week? Uh, I'm not really playing much of anything this week. So, random video game review. Uh, the, the boys playing anything new? Or we still Smash Bros. It's yeah, same old, same old. I think they're. I mean, it's school week, so you know they're not they're not really hitting the video games until the weekend, and that hasn't happened yet, according to my watch. <laughs> so, nothing new. Let's go to something old, please. We're gonna go to the random video game review. Everyone favorite segment, oh. ladies and gentlemen. The random video game review, Paul. Can I get some random video game review music, Paul? Uh, anything, anything by you know uh, Bach or Mozart, Beethoven, anything at all? Nothing. Okay. Well, Jacques went over to my random video game wall, as I'm calling it for some reason, and he pulled off a random video game, and it's a um. Uh, is it a what 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 uh, system did you use? Uh, what system? What system? Wh- what? Just tell me the goddamn system. When you think of ex girlfriends, <laughs> okay, just come on. Xbox. Okay, an Xbox. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Oh. <laughs> you see what I, I did? I got there. you with the thing. Um, let's see. So original Xbox. I'm looking at that shelf now. I really only have one shelf of those, and. It's not pro- maybe no shelf if you have the garage sale. If you can't, from- <laughs> um, you have, to have a garage to have a garage sale. I think you do. So what is it? It's not Project Gotham Racing. Is it? Is it Prisoner of War? Is it Prisoners of War? Well, I just I'm gonna blow on the disc <laughs> for good luck. Come on, seven. Prisoner of War. Um, I've not played this game. World War II Prisoner of War by Codemasters for the original Xbox. It's a one-player fair. I'll just read the back of the box. A new kind of escape adventure. Captain Lewis Stone shot down over wartime Germany. You must fulfill your mission to destroy the enemy's devastating new weapon despite imprisonment in Stalag Luft. You're a putz. Uh, <laughs> Stealth and cunning are your only weapons as you escape captivity in an adventure that takes you into the heart of the coldest castle itself. Cold dits. I'll have a Diet Coke. So, I don't know. I guess it's kind of, yeah, it's a World War II prison uh, game. Maybe this this actually looks intriguing. I wouldn't mind playing it. I'm sure it got, like, kind of mediocre ratings, though, but... Um, it looks uh, it looks cool. It's World War Two. I I like that era when it comes to my entertainment, because that's what it is now. We're so removed from World War Two. Well, not recently, thanks to the good old neo Nazis that bringing Hitler back. Remember when Nazis were bad? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was today. Today is when Nazis were bad. What, you know why? why? Why is it so bad to say white supremacist? Uh, Paul, you have any white supremacist music? 
I'll tell you why I'm referencing Letterman in a moment. But what? It, so that's I don't know. It's a game. Uh, it's a World War II game from Xbox. Nobody gives a fuck, shit, or ass. Now, if first of all, you need a garage. Let's get a garage. Then we have a garage sale. How much do you think you could get for this if you were selling it at a garage sale? I'm going to go as high as five dollars. Boom! Ding. Seriously, swish, Kobe. <laughs> Whatever. Of course, you said a black guy. Because basketball, because you're racist. Just stop. <laughs> let it go, man. Uh, let it go. Yeah. Why do they think Boston's racist? Now, let me tell you 17 <laughs> racist jokes. I'm from Boston. I'm just a simple Bostonian. I don't know anything about your politically correct ways. So, what are you watching on YouTube? How do you know that I'm watching YouTube incessantly for the past week? What's the difference between a pickpocket and a peeping Tom? <laughs> so... I'm watching you. I know. Always watching, Wazowski. Always watching. I'm watching YouTube incessantly, even more so now, thanks to the... Uh, I don't know what, what the word is, the, the, the generosity of one Don Giller. Who's Don Giller, you ask? Who's Don Giller? Glad you asked. He is the curator of the entire Late Night and Late Show with David Letterman collection. And he has called all 6,028, I think the number is right, 6,028 episodes of Late Night and Late Show with David Letterman since 1982 up to 2015. Every single one even so much so i've read this guy is obviously a super fan he vhs recorded a bunch of his collection and then got filled in the blanks with you know tape trades and even some like inside stuff from letterman's camp um i even read uh, a blurb on one of his videos he posted a couple of like making of like never before seen making of bits uh, of Letterman's, you know, late show bits, you know, uh, on YouTube. And the story of those is that the day after they wrapped, uh, I guess they started throwing things out of the Ed Sullivan studio and the offices of late show. And they had this sort of open area in the back of the building that wasn't walled off yet to the public, but people were, or crews were throwing things into dumpsters and what have you. And um, then after a couple of days, they had barricaded it, but then a week had gone by or a few more days had gone by and he went, he would go down, this Don Giller would go down to the site every so often, he, you know, he's local to would New York. Would he put on his trunks and his goggles and dive into the dumpster? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know the specifics of his wardrobe, but I do know that he did fish out, I guess, tapes that were, you know, one writer's or producer's collection that um, he just, you know, tossed. And long story short, he's gotten even these behind-the-scenes making-of videos, which I'll send to you because they're great. They're just, you know, bits that, bits that didn't even make it to air. They're like bits that we were trying to record. You know, it was a, the premise was that David Letterman was supposed to... Uh, he was at a McDonald's, and he goes up to the McDonald's counter, and he says to the woman behind the counter, Hey, there's... Um, some people over there, you see them? They're having sex. And the woman asks behind the counter, Sir, um, how have you had sex recently? 
And then he'll, he's supposed to improv some sort of a line, and they can never close the bit. She's always laughing, or he's, you know, he's eating a real burger. Like, <laughs> he, like he's even commenting on how many burgers he's eaten because he doesn't usually eat, like, McDonald's burgers. He's like, I had no idea that it was going to be this tasty, you know? And it's really fascinating. It's like a nice 15-minute long bit, so i got to send it to you. But So I've been watching Late Night with David Letterman compilations because not only does this John Giller throw up bits like, oh, here's, um, you know, Andy Kaufman on this date, or here's Bill Murray on this date, or here's, you know, this performance, or here's this Chris Elliott sketch, because Chris Elliott was a writer on the show since 82 through 1990. He, um, he compiles and curates collections, like the entire run of every Chris Elliott character it has their own little collection, like that Super Dave Osborne collection that we were talking about. Right. That was from this guy's... Part one and two. Right. Each two hours long. He has nothing but collections of just painstakingly curated in chronological order with dates of when they... And then there's always like, you know, it's not like, oh, here's a funny sketch with this guy. It's like, no, this is when Jeff Martin premiered the Flunky the Clown (laughs) character. Now, now, first, the two questions is... um, how much room in this guy's parents' basement is being taken up by this? Yeah, this man lives alone. And, oh. I think. No, no, no wife, huh? <laughs> Actually, I, I can't say live alone, but I presume. And, um, and does he... And thank God. ...laminate and frame the restraining orders from David Letterman, or is he... I hope not, because they, these are all, like... The no, only... I, I think, uh, as you said in the text, he's doing the Lord's work. He is doing the Lord's work, and he's, he's introducing me... Too late night with David Letterman because even though I grew up in the '80s, I wasn't watching late night talk shows past Carson. I watched David Letterman off and on, like sporadically, like on a Friday night or something like that. But I wasn't a devotee, you know. I wasn't somebody who was watching it for years. He didn't have a show on Friday night; it was just Thursday, Thursday night, right? Because on Friday, right, Friday night videos, yeah. And then, but then they also. I, I, I was watching. <laughs> See, I would watch Friday night videos. I'm old. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, but I also want to chastise you because as I was going through the oeuvre of Chris Elliott on Late Night with David Letterman, yeah, I knew about the guy under the stairs. I got uh, the, the guy under the steps. And, uh, but I, I didn't really know about the panicky guy. Um, I didn't know about him doing Marlon Brando for so great for like so six great. months, and this is Marlon like eighty-seven Marlon Brando. Like Marlon Brando had fallen off the face of the earth. Essentially, he wasn't. He'd sort of semi. He retired from acting at that point. He'd he'd become very large and very eccentric, and he became the kind of caricature of Marlon Brando that we know and is love today. Is that when he was dating? Oh, I don't know. Um, you're asking Playing, Richard Pryor. <laughs> Jesus, you. Yeah, you led me down a path that I didn't want to go down. But I didn't think Richard Pryor felt. <laughs> but I also chastise you for not telling me anything about the sketch called The Fugitive Guy. And and you had said this when we when I got here today. And I, I've been championing it. David Letterman isn't a success without Chris Elliott. Absolutely. Because I'm looking at the other bits. They're all funny, but they're all kind of pedestrian. And they're almost so, you know, they're... Forgettable, it's, uh, for the most part. Chris Elliott was the crown jewel of Late Night with David Letterman's comedy. Like, there is no... I mean, the other comedians or the other comedy writers are good, but as far as performances go and production value that goes into Chris Elliott's sketch, And you didn't realize how young Chris was when he started. He was 22, like, fresh out of college. 
Um, and uh, yeah, and then they, he did that show right up until he got uh, Get a Life uh, in ninety nine in nineteen ninety, and he and he had come back l- sporadically throughout the late show years, but um, yeah, like he was also like the. The, the 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 taste comparison guy. <laughs> yeah, everything awful. And and like Joe said, he had all these different characters, but he really had one. He had one great character that was spun off in different things. And it was always the over the top. Right. Um Yeah, it was, he was like the he was like the the self involved um, big headed actor opposite of uh of what, what like Conan's what do you call it like, self deprecating self deprecating no this is self yeah, he, he was a bloviate yeah like he was self oblivious like he he there was no like oh that's Chris playing a character they would be like um you know David Letterman would say this is a new running character by our own Chris Elliott. Chris, come out and take a bow. And then he'd sit down on the panel and then discuss <laughs> the skit that he just performed and what, you know. What reference. Yeah, and then, but the, yeah, then he would also like, you know, go into like the inspiration of the character or where he thinks he's going with the character next. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was fucking genius. If you have a chance, if you have any sort of love for comedy, television, uh, Goodness, go on YouTube and look up uh, Letterman Collection or Chris Elliott Collection and look for Don Giller as the YouTube channel because this is uh, television as fine as I hope that someday when Conan retires, I know Conan's now doing like the half hour version of his show versus the hour long version. So you can say this is kind of the beginning of the end for Conan's run, but I can't imagine like Conan. I think Conan stuff was owned by Broadway Video which is Lauren Michaels' production company, so I don't think that t- stuff is ever going to see the light of day as much as Late Night with David Lemon. I'm sur- I am blown away that really the only YouTube strikes that are coming against this guy are like for music, you know, or for like wrestling. If they like wrestling clips during the Andy Kaufman stuff, he had to like blur out the images so that he wouldn't get a strike from the WWE because literally like the Jerry Lawler clips were, I guess, technically owned by the WWE. <laughs> So, but, you know, Letterman's camp is cool with this. You know, you know they're, the show's over. He's retired. They're, they're not probably going to, they're not yet putting out a best of late night thing. And, and who knows what the legality is, too, between what he, I don't think he owns, I don't think Letterman owns anything prior to his late show. Like his Worldwide Pants, although Worldwide Pants had started, I think, later in the late night run. But I don't think he owns any of his NBC stuff. Right. I mean, he, he had to really negotiate. He couldn't take bits over. You know, it's just the same thing. Like Conan, had, sadly, Conan couldn't take the masturbating bit over. Right, right, they were, right. They, but he was able to take Larry Bud Melman over, but no, he had to change the name, right? Yeah, and plus well, that 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 was a pre-existing person. Like Larry Bud Melman, I think was his own character. I think that, the character name Larry Bud Melman had to die at NBC, and then he just became Larry you know, uh, no, Calvert, um, uh, whatever whatever his real name is. Um, but, uh, oh, I just, but the fugitive guy, I don't want to lose the track of the fugitive yes. guy. The fugitive guy is <laughs> Chris Elliott would be this seventies kind of, kind of like a step like a Starsky and Hutch. No, not even that, <laughs> not even not that, even that cool. He's like a seventies detective or cop or whatever that, um, he would start off as like your. You know, like the fill-in, like, drummer. You know, we have a new drummer filling in tonight. Um, what's your name? 
and um, I forget what oh, the character's name is. It's like uh, Roger Peterson or something. And then uh, the name is Peterson, Roger Peterson. He'd look at the camera, and then for like a minute, there'd be a pre-produced The Fugitive Guy, a Queen Martin production, <laughs> 70s music, him running down the street. Basically what I did for Lampshade, which was a, Better. Skit, a skit that we did for our little dog and pony show. But it's just, it was hysterical. And I was like, I'm like, I, like I want more Fugitive Guy, but you know, I, I can't go back in time. But thankfully, I don't have to. I have a time machine at my computer. It's called YouTube. Um, what are you doing? That's trouble with a T, and that rhymes with P, that rhymes, and that stands, stands for you porn. <laughs> no, Wait, no, Y okay. stands for you porn. That's shut it. P stands for porn. Yes, it does. Hello. Um, I will be catching up on all that. In three weeks? Depending on how Sunday goes. <laughs> At this point, by the time anyone's listening to this, I'm knee-deep in Chris Elliott YouTube clips from the Letterman years, or I'm endlessly Twittering that uh, the Patriots are the greatest team in the history of football, fuck Philip Rivers and all those people who picked against them. Otherwise, this is the last. Anyways, um, what am I watching? I finished Miss Maisel. The entire run? Season one. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm watching it with management, time's limited. Um, Joe's on episode five, so I think it only goes to up to eight or ten episodes season one. Okay. I'm not giving anything away, uh, but I will say one of the things I really like about the show is it takes time to show. Uh, if, if you've seen it, I hope, I hope you guys have seen it. Um, late 50s. Really great, you know, 1950s housewife, you know, a great wife, you know, so-so mom. I mean, the kids kids get sick with the babysitter an awful lot, um, you know, but, but she goes to these great lengths to be this great supportive wife. The husband wants to be a stand-up comic, and she truly stumbles into doing comedy herself when the husband leaves her. Uh, Joe's seen all this, so I'm not giving anything away. And and she has a gift. She She's a natural. But what's really good is the show takes a little time to show her horning, her, horning the act. like Honing. Honing. Or horning, depending how you look at it. She does flash her boobs a couple times. Hey-oh. And, uh, and I will say, nice! Um, she, uh, but it shows her Working a joke, like over a series of a week or so doing like, you know, the, the, the open mic thing or the time slot. The same joke, just a little tweak, laugh, little tweak, a little more laugh, finding the right payoff, the whole room laughs. And I like the fact that it took its time to say she really liked comedy. She was supportive for her husband, even when she didn't realize he was just ripping off Bob Newhart and saw Bob Newhart too. He goes, oh, he does it faster than you. Well, that's my take on it. You know, it's like <laughs> your take on the other guy's routine word for word. Okay. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend it, it more. I'm really looking forward to season two. Um, season one wrapped up pretty great. And it's one of those things they left it could definitely be a season two. And I, I don't know if they did season one and two together or if they got a two-season commitment. But it wrapped it up. But also, hey, it could go a couple different ways. Um, so it's the same review as last week. It's just all I've got to watch is a little amazing. But I'll probably be giving. Hopefully I will not. But there's a chance my um, my recommendation next week will be Chris Elliott clips on YouTube. <laughs> Um, also, uh, a little footnote, I gotta look up Action Family. Action Family by Chris Elliott and Bob Elliott. Well, and 
I was I was a little stunned. We talked about last week. Joe hadn't seen Cabin Boy, and he's now rectified that situation. I found the DVD at a Goodwill, and I bought it for four dollars, which I think I overpaid. I, I think you, you know what? Can you really put a price on comedy? <laughs> you can, but, but hey, I don't think you're going to be running back. You know, get but again, watch it, enjoy it, and then sell the garage sale. <laughs> it's a theme here. Uh, um, Paul, can I get some garage sale music? <laughs> garage sale, selling your stuff cheap. All right, that's garage enough. All sale. right, all right. <laughs> Very good, Paul. Oh, oh man. Oh, uh, I gotta tell you, wake the kids and call the neighbors. Uh, parenting tip. <laughs> Talk, talking to you over there, the handsome one. There Timing. Get, 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 get close to the mic. <laughs> no, I don't have a parenting tip. I'm an awful parent and human being. <laughs> I can't believe people are still listening to me. I think they're listening through me to get to you. Let's hope not. <laughs> Let's. I think I literally think it's the other way. Um, no, you you are the fan favorite, and and I think you make the people laugh and have their sympathy simultaneously. Uh, my parenting tip: uh, it was it was going to be one or two, but we talked enough about racism this week, so I'll save my racism thing for next week. Um, I will dive into um, started jujitsu this week, which is nice. Um, the kids have, I have my class, then the kids have their class on Thursday. There was no class for, I had no class, uh, but it was an open mat. Boy, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, there was only a couple guys here. I grappled for a while. And again, it, it feels really good to be, um, kind of Clark Kenting it where people just assume I'm not going to be able to do much and then beat the fuck out of them. Uh, but while the other guys were grappling and I was partnerless, like most of my life, I was able to, you know, work on some stuff with my oldest one before his class. He's he he needs to work a little bit on takedowns. He also forgets how strong he is, and he shifts his weight the wrong way. So my parenting tip is: if you do jujitsu together, it's not only a fun way to bond and work on something, you can legally beat the fuck out of them <laughs> under the guise of working together on this. Oh, the guys, working together calendar. <laughs> I swear to fucking God. It's not what he says that's hilarious. It's the face. The 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 subtleness of rubbing his hands up and down. That's his, me trying to like take off my, my his jacket. Back to the Future right. long sleeve, three-quarter sleeve shirt, uh, which in itself, pretty sexy. Uh, but it's the tone of the voice that gets me. But literally, so the little guy came on the map. And I'm having him do stuff, and I kept showing him, like, look, if you you have the knee this way and your weight is here, you know, it's easier for you to control the next move. If the way that you're sitting, and then I would just nudge him a little, using his weight against him, and he'd go flying into the wall. It's padded. It's padded. But uh, my parenting tip is find a way to have a situation where it's <laughs> totally cool to beat your fuck out of your kid in public and it looks like oh you're spending one on one fathering time nah really you're making you're even in the scorecard a close second would be 
altitude jumping park, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, come here. Let's play dodgeball, fun family, you little fuck. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for me. Uh, where, where you did self-indulgent theater to bookends, we will play. I sing the last verse. And again, if, if you want to rewind the show to where do, Joe does self-indulgent theater and really dive into the lyrics, uh, you can tell which verse I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Listen carefully, or you'll miss it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that next week. But uh, but it was great. As always, Joe, thank you. And thank you for listening to Carnival Personnel. You can follow us on Twitter at Carnival Podcast, Facebook, Carnival Podcast, and Instagram at, uh, was it Pornhub? Or what did, I forget. What, what's the account? I think we were with Carnival Personnel. It was XXX Carnival Personnel. XXX. No? Where you can see the, what's the calendar? The guys working out together. I don't care. Why am I clapping? I, I know. I, why, what's with this manual labor? What am I, a Puerto Rican? What are you, a Portuguese person? <laughs> you missed it. I really did. By that much. Would you believe? <laughs> Would you believe? Portuguese. But, uh, <laughs> Man, am I a source? <laughs> what do you call a Portuguese guy that has herpes? Manny Sores. For oh, Christ's oh. sake. What? Let, me, let me answer it. All right, okay. Uh, what do you call a Portuguese guy with herpes? A Portuguese. There you go. <laughs> you see, redundant. Because no, redundant this, would have been the answer. The uh, Department of Redundancy Department, how would we help you? <laughs> Uh, Paul, do you have any closing music? End of the show! And, it's been great! Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's the show. Please, for the love of God, don't forget. Got a clue, making money off of